0: Christmas cakes are good for the farm shop.
1: Don't, don't, don't. Here's what I want y'all to do for me. Don't believe the hype. Don't, don't believe the, don't believe I'll, I'll. Just <laughs> <laughs> me. Hear me now. All fruits ripe. Shake the grape tree. A
2: grape is there for you and me. One love. One love. One love. One love. One love. One love. Thank you
1: very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's all stand and give a nice round of applause.
2: Hello. Hello. This is All Fruits Ripe. I'm in the studios with none other than Adam Hailu from the Unit 137. Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, and then our guest speaker is Charlotte Webster. Charlotte is the co-founder of Human Nature, uh, amongst many other things which we will get into and discuss. So hello Charlotte. Hello. We're going to start with your track, which is Timber by Cold Cut. Can you tell us a bit about... Why you chose that track?
3: Timber by Cold for me is really the first track that I heard and could fully appreciate what was happening in the Amazon through listening to music that was amazingly produced and vocally stunning and with a good bass line. So all of that combined just means for me it's a bit of a standout. It's a, it stand out because it is cold cut and, you know, they're sort of top of the league, really. Matt Black has continued through Ninja Tune and beyond to, uh, to really sort of think about the environment and be quite forward thinking in that way. So, yeah, that's why I've chosen it.
2: Yeah, I remember the first time I heard it, it kind of sent shivers down my spine and I was like, wow. And that was at a point in time when I wasn't really reading about climate change or deforestation or any of these kind of factors. And so I think... Now, when I am reading about it, I always think about this track and it really cemented that sound of the chainsaw is just so ingrained and cemented in my mind. But yeah, like you said, cold cut are top of the game. It's mm. like sample geniuses. Um, yeah, you've, Adam did quite a lot of research into this particular track, didn't you? Yeah, I mean,
0: this track is nearly 20 years old. I mean, maybe not 20 years old, but it was released in 1998. I Actually, I think I heard it when I was interning at Ninja Tune or around that time when I was listening to to their music and seeing that video and coming from a producer's angle, it's really interesting because they've basically made the music at the same time as making the video. So the video is fully intertwined into their production.
2: Yeah, the video is amazing. Yeah, they Mm. they
0: basically sampled documentaries, took the sounds and sequenced the track to the sounds that were in the documentary. Mm which is a really interesting way of sampling. Yeah. You know, usually you're not involving the visuals in that way. Yeah. I don't know what software they used or anything like that, but it's a great, it's a great example. um, I've been able to, for me, to actually see how you can express kind of a political message of, and the, you know, the deforestation, the destruction of the the rainforest through music without lyrics. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like... Yeah, I I think
3: uh, that's the power the power of it isn't it
0: yeah with the yeah. visual side yeah yeah and it kind of inspired me as well sort of thinking about that just thinking about how could you make music that has that kind of impact
2: just for the listeners uh, to understand unit 137 is a very large sound system and we are sat in how much how much of it a quarter of it
0: um that's
2: a good question
0: um yeah it is a quarter of it yeah
2: so we're 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 going to be
0: feeling so we've got two 18 inch super scoops one hd 215 which has two 15 inch drivers and a custom top it's all hand built out birch ply 18 mil the other tops are dmt 210 for all you technical people out there (laughs) i guess (laughs) <laughs> so gonna we're, 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 get, we're going
2: to be feeling it. Ads, is yeah, what you're saying basically. we're going to feel it in our hearts so we're going to basically, we're going to really yeah. feel like we are in a, a forest being deforested yeah, yeah
3: basically much. it's taller than Louis and Louis is six foot Two. yeah, yeah.
2: Plus, plus all the hair <laughs> yeah and we're
0: currently sitting in a sort of makeshift living room in the lion room at Unit 137 HQ in South East London, Lewisham there we go so we're about to hear some bass here we go
2: track and what's great about vinyl is that it's a big thing in your hands so with the record comes a sleeve and on the sleeve gets information and you get to put across a message and an understanding and so on the back of one of the vinyls here
0: yeah well I've actually got um, the remix uh, well it's got the original on there but also four other remixes on, on this vinyl and it says on the back here in Brazil, an acre of rainforest is destroyed every nine seconds. In Canada, an acre of ancient forest is clear cut every 12 seconds. And, you know, this was
2: released in 1998. So, no doubt it's different. Yeah. It's going to be much greater now. Yeah. So, you would, yeah. in, whilst the track was playing, you were saying, Charlotte, that um, the place that you're working at, at the moment, one of the guys was talking about deforestation in, in in particular and how the different growth rates and so on.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the in, the interesting thing for me <laughs> excuse me, is that you would imagine that you can keep track... Anyway,
2: wait, before we go, where do you work? Because we haven't explained to everyone <laughs> where you work yet.
3: <laughs> okay I'm um, I'm currently working with a charity called uh, CDP they were known as the carbon disclosure project and they work across climate change uh, deforestation and water security issues across the world and wow. they are the big basically one of the world's biggest environmental action charities the reason you may not have heard of them <laughs> um, is because unlike Greenpeace they work with directly with the world's biggest polluters so therefore they work directly with big corporates um, and with investors so kind of at the heart of the matter so they're not really a a kind of public facing organization like that wow yeah. But the, the the thing, the insight that was shared with me the other day about deforestation was that you would imagine that you can keep track of it by looking at forestry from the air, right? You know, where are the gaps? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're talking about vast, vast areas, you know, thousands of kilometers square. And of course, you would imagine that you can map it or, or track it from the air. That's not the case at all. And a lot of the deforestation that's happening is not in the sort of canopy level, which you know you can see from the air but sub canopy and all the the younger trees so actually one of the major problems with deforestation is really being able to track it and just keep on top of the the level of um the speed of it all really yeah um and that's where the innovation is going on at the moment yeah
2: Yeah, it's um it's an interesting discussion when you start looking at the site of the environment so i was talking with um Bernie Krause, um, who's a sound recorder of nature, um, but also works within the Art Institute now. He's worked with a lot of musicians and so on as well. But as part of the tour, uh, The Art of Being, we ended up interviewing him and he's in one of the films. But he was talking about selective deforestation and how it was deemed that this was the way forward, that we could take out a tree here and a tree there and it still looks like... A woodland and they would, they practiced it in parts of California where he's living and so he'd been recording the sounds of nature in that environment in those woodlands many years prior and he was showing us the chart like he got them up on his computer and showed us the, the sound waves of nature basically the birds insects and so on and um, there was very prevalent it was loud it was noisy and then after the deforestation the image looks identical it looks exactly the same but all of the high sounds and low sounds have disappeared. And so he was saying that any level of removal of a tree from its natural environment is going to have massive knock-on effects with everything that comes after.
3: Absolutely. And actually, um, so I was lucky enough recently to do an illustration for Greenpeace for their new clothing range which I would definitely recommend checking out on the new Greenpeace shop not necessarily because of my designs but it's an awesome shop and they asked me to do something around deforestation and the initial brief was can you draw us some trees (laughs) Um, and I went back and said no I can't draw you some trees because I think um, no criticism to them at all it was the first thing that had come to their mind and that's fair enough but the Actually, the thing that we are losing is not just trees, you know, trees are the tip of the iceberg and it really is about biodiversity and plants and insects, birds, you name it. <clears throat> and so the design I actually did was of a bird that was made up of plants and um, and it was supposed to sort of infer that everything is interlinked within the rainforest ecosystem. Um, And I think that's the thing we have to remember that with every sort of square meter of of rainforest that we lose, we lose plants that we haven't even discovered yet.
1: Yeah,
2: Yeah, it's pretty scary, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'm contemplating now is um, it's not going to happen for a while, but I would quite like to start painting plants, I think, because everyone is kind of understanding that polar bears and whales and tigers and so on are endangered but ask someone about an endangered tree and they're going to look at you blank and have no idea what you're talking about or an endangered um orchid they just don't have any understanding and so i think that that's even more prevalent right now is to discuss that and there's more like whenever i'm looking at endangered species to paint there's always 10 times more plants one of the reasons that um for the listeners that one of the reasons why i know charlotte is because she also runs a very cool collective called um, human nature which is an art group and um, (laughs) she installates shows and helps artists to run projects and sometimes gets us commissions and all kinds of stuff so how did how did you actually start human nature and how did that come together because it's not just you that runs it
3: I guess human nature, like many things, emerged from a lot of kind of background thinking and ideas for quite a long time. (laughs) Uh, I've always been interested personally as an artist in the natural world, and I have painted people before, and that's fine, but it doesn't really inspire me to do that. And I actually would much prefer to, for example, paint a landscape, as, as traditional as that may sound. But as I have been doing it, and as I was doing that as a teenager, it wasn't really deemed the cool thing to do, but I kind of felt like I should stick by my guns. And as that developed, I guess I just naturally wanted to find other artists that were inspired by nature in the same way that I am. And living in London, you know, that that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do. And at the same time, I'd been working professionally, I guess, in the world of the environment, doing campaigning on renewable energy, you know, my day job. And I kind of got to a point where I realized that it was the visual image and artists and culture that was gonna change the way we think about things and not the media and not necessarily doing campaigning in a traditional sense. So I realized the role of art and artists was much more nuanced and much more important than ever really. <clears throat> and then I started to think, well, why, why is no one doing anything you know that that big question of uh, but this is such an important issue why why you know why artists not wrapping their heads around this as we sort of saw in the 70s you know in terms of sort of bringing on the revolution um but you know literally i I didn't really know and so i kind of explored and put on a pop-up show at the end of 2014 i think it was and that seemed to go well. It was in London and it grew from there. So a pop-up involving street artists and illustrators, photographers, and all exploring nature in their own ways. And I can't really say anything more other than, you know, when you just hit a thread and it works and it works it works with everyone yeah. and the artists loved it and the people loved it, you know, and we put a lot of love and effort into everything that we did and, to, you know, developed a website and a network essentially for it to grow and it has grown and we've got people all over the world now as part of it and we've done I don't know six shows how many street art projects two Mm. yeah three and uh it's it's fun it's a lot of fun it's it's essentially a platform online um we've been invited to do a lot of collaborations and talks and it has grown beyond the initial pop-up and initial blog of two thousand and fourteen into something that I'm I'm proud of.
2: Well, we'll touch back on the human nature again in, um, after the next track. So I've selected. Um, actually, it's it's funny how it it's very organic the way one track leads into a conversation of the next thing, which is what's great about music. Um, I've actually chosen something from the new Trikal Quest album, and for me, what's really particularly important about that is a. That the last album prior to this they released was 17 years ago, which was probably about the time I bought my first vinyl. It wasn't a Tribal Quest album. It took mm-hmm. a while for me to find Tribe, but the point is, is that hip hop is so the vinyl and hip hop. It just they they melt together. They belong together. Um, and so for me, discovering vinyl, I think got me into hip hop. I think I was listening to it a little bit before, but it got me more into it. But what uh, is particularly cool about this album. actually sad as well is is that it took 17 years for it to come out, but nothing will come again because Fife obviously died last year. And so the album was was released and it's a very political album. I don't know if you've actually listened to it, but uh, they discuss many of the things that are are wrong in the world, more to do with humanitarian problems rather than environmental issues. But they also discuss the monster, Mr. Trump, and obviously he is a massive climate change problem i'm going to play the the track we the people which is particularly a track that is anti-trump um and the first time i heard it i was kind of like oh it's almost offensive but then when i really listened to it and understood it i was like yep this really is for the people and it's it's uh, yeah it's a very powerful track and so it's uh yeah i'm pleased to be bringing it to the table
1: Here in the rear, yo, we don't need it. you You ain't a killing off good young nigga move. When we get hungry, we eat the same fucking food The ramen noodle The simple voodoo is so maniacal reliable, but full pull a juju The irony is that this bad bitch in my lap She don't know me, she make money, she don't study that She gon' give it to me, ain't gon' tell me none of that She gon' take the brain away the place, she spit on that The and Signs with it. Don't try to rhyme with it. VH1 has a show that you can waste your time with. Guilty pleasures take the edge off reality. And for a salary, I probably do that sporadically. The OG Gucci boots are smitten with Iguanas. The IRS piranha, see a nigga getting common. Niggas in the hood living in a fishbowl. Gentrify here, now it's not a shithole. Trend set up, I know my shit's cold. Hand settle it because I ain't so bold with yeah. All you black folks, you must go. We hate your ways. Uh. So you You must go. Uh. The fog and the smog of the media the logs false narratives of guys that came up against the odds. We're not just singer rappers with the bars. It's kids with that big cosmic with the stars. You bastards overlooking street art, better yet street smart, but you keep us off the chart uh, Some of the fuck your numbers in your statistician Fuck you know about true competition Motherfuck. Just like the AO picture on there talking about a hitting yeah. The only one who's hitting are the ones that's currently spitting We got Jimissy Smitten rubbing on a little kitten Dreaming up a world that's equal for women with no division uh, Boy I tell you that's vision like Tony Roma when he hit and witness The try be the best in eight division Shaheed Mohammed cut it with precision Who can come back years later still hit the shot? Still I'm trying to move you off the fucking block Babylon blood clot Cube on your head top mm. All you black folks you must go All you Mexicans, you must go Hello'm
3: Webster and you're tuned all right
0: yeah, great choice of track I love the album as well, yeah man I mean it's been a long time coming rest in peace Fife. yeah, definitely I mean I had that on repeat on my Spotify playlist for a very long time mm There's a lot of good tracks on there. The whole album's killer. Yeah. We were just saying when it was playing just how good Buster is sounding on the entire album as well. Yeah. And just, yeah. It's a great, great album. Good choice, man.
2: Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say as well, um, to bring up Spotify. Mm. Because Mm, obviously mm. that's a digital format and everything that we're doing on this podcast is all on vinyl. and
0: yeah that's that's an interesting point in itself and um people owning music yeah exactly and, and and not owning music yeah right yeah i mean i personally i don't know about you guys but i i pay for a spotify subscription but then once i know i love an album or love a, you know a couple of songs or whatever i'll be out there either buying it digital download as a wav not no mp3s um or i'll be getting it on vinyl yeah um unfortunately i haven't gone out yet and bought that on vinyl but um i do plan to yeah it's definitely a topic that's quite deep for me
2: yeah but, um, we'll save this one for a future podcast yeah. we'll, we'll just touch. <laughs> we'll, we'll get a, a record junkie in here and we'll just chat vinyl yeah. for an hour <laughs> So, Charlotte, we talked um, a little bit about human nature, but you touched on this idea that you're curating and putting together shows and so on. But one of the things that strikes me as a really interesting topic is, and I guess that this is where we're very interlinked, is that you helped me with two projects now, with Endangered 13, and then also with The Art of Being, which was the Tour of America. And that obviously sparked one of the reasons why um, I wanted to play this track. But... um, well actually first of all, maybe you can explain to us why, for you as a curator, it's interesting to work with an individual artist on a specific project in in the in the way in which we did it.
3: Individual artists are highly uh easy to manipulate (laughs) (laughs) right so i was manipulated no (laughs) the um, truth comes out (laughs) no what i'm trying to say is actually you can move quite quickly in one direction and i think if your views and your ideas and your creativity is somewhat aligned then yeah great things can happen Mm. The, the larger the group as you'll know it just changes things, doesn't it really? And, and I've loved curating with multiple artists because it's all, it's all a bit of an experiment really. But I think with the Art of Being and the US tour in particular, we could really sit down and, and figure out what we wanted to get out of it. And your, your work as a whole is really interesting because at the heart of it, you know, you are trying to raise awareness of this massive issue. Endangered species, obviously, and actually, my understanding of how campaigns work and that sort of structure, and how the media works, and and also full appreciation of of what you do. I think together, that's you know, that's quite a powerful mix. And and I I think I I don't know about you, but I've really enjoyed seeing. Sort of when you, when you mix those two together, what can happen? And I think the art of being was really successful, not least because actually we threw film into there as well, and we were telling a story as you as you went through the U.S. And yeah, what a trip it was, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah, it
2: really was. Um, so one of the things that between us we really kind of banging our head against with is this idea that charities and environmental agencies bar a few seem to be still operating in a very ancient method, in the sense that there's a reward for a campaign and for people getting uh, passing money over to the charity, but it seems like the reward is still very, like it's a cuddly toy or it's uh, a raffle or or something like that. And it was very difficult to get an environmental agency to see, or not really an agency so much, but like a, a charity to see the value in supporting a project which is about raising an awareness because um they didn't really i don't know like I, i'm not really sure where i'm going with it but I've, i guess what i'm asking is why do you feel maybe charities have that level of reservation to work directly with an artist in the format that we were trying to approach arti- uh, charities i
3: think i'd have to answer this as completely independent from any charity that I might be affiliated with just yeah, just yeah, yeah. to start just to start. Just um, to be
2: clear, like yeah. charities do work with artists, like Greenpeace yeah. have, Synchronicity Earth have, many do. But there are also if you look like when we'd done like The Endangered Thirteen, we were putting links through to charities working with different species. And if you mm. go on their website, there's a cuddly mm. toy on it.
3: I think the truth is and well, I think this is particularly the case in the US, from what I understand, charities are very affiliated towards particular funders and objectives. And those links don't leave much room for creativity in terms of how they're spending their money and what campaigns they're gonna focus on. So to sort of come in with a project proposal, which is a bit left field from the, the ways that they've traditionally been able to measure their impact and mm. report against, it's, like, it's quite a big risk for them whereas private companies can take that risk because they're arguably a little bit more forward-thinking in terms of marketing and advertising which is why you know the private organizations that we've worked with have arguably been warmer (laughs) yeah um so i would say basically that traditional charities are quite conservative Mm. and and especially in the us that's not to say that can't change but from i mean from a very cynical perspective they they don't have much cash or if they do they've already decided where to spend it but the other thing is you'd kind of be doing it anyway in their view that they're endorsing what you're doing just generally Yeah, yeah um so why would they kind of spend money
2: but the sad thing is is that with more affiliation with the project they could have used that to then push the the voice that i was creating much further you know they could have they've got a huge audience they could have shown all of our films and then they would have had a massive hit whereas i feel like we we lost out on that opportunity do you think that how how do you feel like maybe we can push that as creative people wanting to work with the environment
3: so developing projects in conjunction with charities at the very sort of embryonic stage where they're coming up with their next campaign idea so being in the room when they're creating their campaigns right. um and also working to longer lead times so thinking a year ahead or 18 months ahead in line yeah we with were that. very on, on yeah, the yeah rather than time. coming in you know say a couple of months before <laughs> which we did Lastminute.com. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that was no bad thing really yeah in the end
2: and so you're you're working on. Are we allowed to say it? Working on this project with ATM.
3: Yeah, I mean, there is basically there's a project in motion with uh, ATM, who is a a street artist, and he, again, he f- he focuses mainly on endangered birds. He paints his his painting is beautiful and intricate, and he works with paintbrushes actually, as opposed to to cans. And um, yeah, is is stunning. We are looking to do a tour with ATM at the moment focusing on the UK and endangered species across the UK. And in particular, in areas where people have a nature deficit, uh, which is a term that has sort of, I guess, gradually become recognised. But, you know, to state the obvious, where people live in really dense urban areas and don't experience as much nature as they should. So we're kind of mapping out those areas at the moment and putting murals basically where... Well, in the concrete jungle, And when does it start? It's probably going to be early next year now. Cool. Yeah, so it's quite a long lead time project. Mm. Yeah.
2: And mm. how many cities did you say you're going to do?
3: Hopefully, we'll do a dozen. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
2: And uh, will there be some in London or are you looking specifically for things where street art isn't really so prevalent?
3: that's to be decided right, okay. yeah to be decided but I, I think we'd like to get quite far out of London right. to be honest and pop up in places least expected yeah because nice. that is the fun thing to do but also I, I think the other thing is yeah, we really want to create a story out of it and have a big impact which is why it's going to take quite a long time to get off the ground because we need the right partners really right. yeah Well, that's exciting I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing that happen yeah yeah, be
0: good. <laughs> so, should we? Yeah, I just I just want to say like respect for all the stuff you do. I mean, the stuff that I looked at, what you've been up to with you know the work you've done with Louis, and then here in that project as well, it's great. You're taking art to the street, which means that it's accessible to anyone. I Find sometimes when you when you have work in a gallery, you kind of end up with a certain type of person who will see that. And, Mm. um, it really sort of speak, it it has a lineage with my beliefs in terms of sound system culture as well, Mm. because I really believe that's the graffiti of music Mm. where the original, where the original sort of heritage of the, the the heritage of the culture comes from Mm. was providing entertainment and a, and and a message to the people on the street and, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing
2: i like that what you said it's uh sound culture is the the graffiti of the music scene yeah i mean essentially like
0: if 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 if, but 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 there's issues around it there's not enough of it i mean you know i'd like to see more of it and that's another reason why um at the moment i'm developing the 12 volt trike yeah that's gonna be amazing the the battery powered beast (laughs) with a group of people to take take to the streets and you've got a sound system on wheels that is it going to be
3: solar powered
0: well we we we're, we're, we're going to have some dynamos yeah um and we're looking into how we can actually recharge the batteries so yeah we've been looking at solar power we've been looking at pedal power um mm. and th- and we're working with one person who's had a lot of experience in that side my side in the project is more to do with the music to do with what drivers we're going to use like in terms of speakers and cabinets but then mm. there's people involved with the project who who are looking at that side but mm. you know you can do as good as you can do and uh, but yeah but that yeah. that's what i mean taking art to the people it's beautiful so yeah thank you
3: pleasure yeah cool. i mean it, it I think, I think what I have found and I'm sure Louis will say the same is whatever you give in that respect, like comes back 10 times. So mm. it really is a pleasure. And I, you know, it's been an amazing journey really. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I look, uh, yeah, I look forward to what, cause I haven't watched it yet. But yeah.
2: I look forward to watching the five-part series. You haven't watched them? No. Oh. See, even, even my friends haven't watched that's these what films I'm saying. yet. <laughs> but it's <laughs>
0: because I'm in here doing this, like, do you know what I mean? I'm oh, life
2: now. is I'm just blinking, busy, there, isn't it? Like Which
3: that, is but. the art of being <laughs> on But you know what? It, it, it goes back the
2: same way. Yeah. How many of your I've, dances I've, I've, <laughs> have I not turned up at that I'm like, yeah, true. ads, ads, put me on the list. Yeah, Louis, you're on the list. Where are you, Louis? Yeah. <laughs> Never came. I'm painting. I'm sorry. I forgot. Yeah, that's what I'm saying yeah that goes yeah it is. But for sure. i have got
0: it on a tab on my computer and i'm gonna go for it one two three four five yeah and if you haven't checked it out people
2: definitely check it out yeah for sure they're on my website so since now we know why you've not watched them because yeah. you're busy let's let's get into yes. unit 137
0: so yeah if Any listeners out there don't know who Unit 137 are. We are a collective of musicians, producers, instrumentalists, engineers who have come together. We set up in 2012 and we create music with a conscious message that is, um, yeah, bass bass music, really, sound system music. And I wanted to choose a track because this is our first episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Birthday day. Yeah, I (laughs) wanted to... I wanted to choose a track that I made with um uh, a good friend of mine actually who we who we became connected you know through yeah. Uh, yeah, jago yeah. um so this is a hailu and Jago track called a Nancy. The vocalist is called Nancy Correa. and it's a tune about love really um which is a very important message. And the lyrics were co-written between Nancy and Jago. And uh, yeah, Jago and I made the track. When was this this released? Yeah, this was our second release on the record label uh, in 2012.
2: Yeah, so Um, I seem to remember that when I was here painting that line, that's when Nancy was here, (laughs) writing lyrics and recording with Jago.
0: Yeah. Yeah, wow. That's when we first probably met. Circles. Yeah. Yeah so i thought it was kind of appropriate yeah for to probably sure play this yeah uh so yeah here it is
1: mm-hmm.
2: what's happening new what's what's going on in the like for instance when i came in through today there was some recordings going on in the studio and so on yeah what's what's next and like the family's big like there's Ghostwriters. you've got jago doing solo careers you've got yeah. zico doing solo careers who, who who else like there's only joe
0: yeah there's a lot of people in the collective there's a lot of different people who are talented in different ways you know like i was saying before like producers vocalists Amazing musicians like trumpet players, guitarists, bass players, drummers. Right now, we're actually developing a live hybrid show which we're looking to launch next year. So that's one thing. And what, also, what do you mean by hybrid show? So it's basically like mixing a traditional live band with the traditional setup of a sound system, which would usually be a DJ and an MC, right? right? so and also linking in some equipment that you'd use in the studio right so it's going to be something new it's going to be something innovative and it's something that people haven't really tried in the scene of sound system music so yeah it's kind of it's it's exciting and also there is uh, an album a 14 track album is
2: that coming out on vinyl
0: um, I'm in the process of finding quotes yeah. to be honest. Cause vinyl, it must be hard, like is very expensive. Yeah. And yeah, it's always a risk. because yeah. we, we everything's we do it all in house. Um, yeah. you know, we're we're a label, we're a sound system, we're a studio. Everything we make in the studio we release through the label. Obviously we also release on other labels, but that's the idea. Yeah. So yeah, we're we're busy. Yeah. And there's some there's some good music coming out with some yeah. very important relevant current messages yeah like we were just talking when the track was playing just about how it'd be nice to start yeah trying to make some music that has an environmental message yeah like um, with the timber track yeah or not yeah not just that and also like the we same with lyrics yeah, you know, yeah with vocalists and yeah and and seeing how yeah i Yeah, I don't see enough of it.
3: Yeah, I think also there's a real there is a real engaged and growing pool of people out there. And I think there's a lot of musicians that are kind of adding their name to the environmental thing. And during the Paris climate change talks, you know, there were there were hundreds and big names. And in fact, David Bowie, before he sadly passed away, you know, was really championing the whole environmental thing and and was a kind of lead signature. Signature, signator, whatever the <laughs> word is, he signed um, <laughs> the, paper. The, the, <laughs> the sort of arts arts petition at, at Paris and it really had an impact. So I think, yeah, it's a really valid thing to say, like how, how do you activate those people to, and turn that yeah. into music and that could actually be a more powerful thing going yeah. forward?
0: Yeah, you yeah. know, because when I was reading through all, and looking at all of the different projects, you were doing i was just thinking to myself how how could music get involved mm. you know and how could that's know.
2: nice to hear immediately that makes me happy because it means that something that we spend a lot of time talking about charlotte is like how do we encourage more people to jump on board and get involved with what we're doing with what and how they're doing what they're doing
3: and also to enjoy it as well i think part of the reticence that i've heard certainly not necessarily within the music industry but within like cultural industries is that it's sort of seen a bit as a bit worthy or a bit like but the truth is that everybody that I've spoken to and know that does something environmental like in their fields or their interests or whatever actually really enjoys it <laughs> you know yeah. it's not like it's not a chore at all it's, it's which is pretty the lucky opposite. because
2: the information we uh I met with is pretty depressing
3: yeah, and I think <laughs> and I think Louis, maybe you'll agree in the sense of the guys that you met when you were travelling around the U.S. You know, all those that were working on community projects or bee projects or, uh, you know, low carbon businesses or you know in renewables, they were pretty happy, positive people, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. For sure.
2: I mean, Ko, the beekeeper in in Oakland. My gosh, she was she was a trip. Like she. I mean, every beekeeper said something similar, but she was so raw. It was just like pure love. And she said that through the, uh, through the bees, she felt love and she felt an understanding for nature and the environment because of their frequency and because of their pheromones. And I never even thought about that. I mean, I definitely love spring because as soon as it hits dark, all the smells of the blossom come out. And it's just that feeling of, oh, yeah, okay, I don't mind being in the city today. It's dark. It might even be raining, but my gosh, that smells beautiful. And I guess that there are other avenues of tapping into that. And she was explaining how like the bees, the bees are like the breath of of life in nature. And that's just, yeah, it was amazing. Mm.
3: Yeah, I think there's some pretty happy people out there that are, are working to kind of make sure we don't end up unhappy (laughs) (laughs) fading away rather fast yes Mm. yeah
2: how do you find it um for instance with the the company you're working with now how do you find it when it comes to so you're sat there in a project meeting and you're discussing a project that's going to happen and people have different ulterior motives or not ulterior but they've got different points of interest um, whether it be the financing or the direction and the the after effects or the creation and I'm imagining that your your role is from quite a creative perspective, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. and And it's a good point to bring up. You know, I truly believe that the power is in film, in music, in art, you know. And I am essentially a creative within... Yeah, different organisations and using those organisations as a vehicle to sort of move stuff forward. If you what I mean, yeah. and yeah, the daily challenge is really navigating those interests whilst trying to, uh, to, yeah, to to push forward more interesting ways of delivering a message. It's really hard. It's really challenging. But you know, we can't do these things alone, and we do need to work together. I think the answer is actually more there should be wider recognition for the power of the arts in this whole debate, really. And and it's growing. And, you know, only the other day I saw an article in I think it was the new scientist, which was scientists basically saying, so, yeah, so we've done all the research. It's now down to the artists. To to do it, thanks guys. And it it kind of was just, I blinked, I was like, What? Uh, the scientists are saying it's now down to the arts, but it kind of is a bit like that. And then in the middle, you've kind of got this huge swathe of organizations, as you say, each with vested interests. How do we use that their power to push forward the arts? Like, that's really interesting because that's where the the power is. actually with corporations and cities and states now you know that's where the money is and so yeah it's a challenge but i think it's coming i think it's moving in the right direction just need to keep doing great stuff and prove you know prove our worth really
2: you you mentioned that uh, T who was part of the film production mm. on the art of being he's getting involved in
3: i hope so i hope yeah. so i mean we're you know we're looking at producing a, a couple of films over the next year and i'd really like to work with you know guys that i know are really creative and can sort of reframe stuff and see things in different ways so yeti yeah, who who we worked with for the art of being films i'd yeah i'd love to work with him again yeah definitely
2: well, I give thanks yeah. for someone like yourself who understands business and marketing and PR and the arts and are working with an agency or a company and then also working and curating and bringing artists involved in different issues into, into the business world because it's hard for us to be heard and seen because we're not represented by anyone, most of us. And so it's really refreshing and I give like massive thanks for all the support that you've given me and you know, the artists who are my friends who you're working with as well. We all Aww. give thanks.
3: Well, right back at everyone really. Yeah. yeah. it's Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, um, did you have anything you wanted to add Adam? Um, I wanted to play one more tune, I think. Yeah. Well, we're in a sound we system. We've got to, we've got to play another tune. I mean, because this one's on the... Yeah, so,
0: so basically this is another version of Timber that
2: came after the album. And, and interestingly enough, this has the Greenpeace stamp on the back yeah, as well. Yeah, this
0: has the Greenpeace stamp on the back. And I just wanted to say one other point that is on the back of here, which I read while we were listening to it. The UK is Europe's largest importer of rainforest timber from Canada, buying about 240 Forty thousand cubic meters of timber annually. British paper mills and industrial pulp users also import around one hundred sixty thousand tons of rainforest wood pulp from Canada every year. Yeah. Ouch! That's that's ridiculous. So there you go. And that was. In Didn't 1990- you find another really interesting
2: uh, point about this track as well? About its. Uh, oh yeah.
0: Yeah, so all of these remixes, the original and the other four remixes, we're about to play Quant's Shaggy Dog Story. Quite uh, a name. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty out there, but it sounds wicked. This, The Timber actually got on the Guinness Book of Records um, wow. in 2001 for having the most music videos for a release. So... That's yeah. incredible. Just something I found while researching. How many videos was it? Do you remember? Five. One, Five. one for each one. Damn. Yeah. I haven't watched them all. I yeah. Only watched the, the main
2: original. Well, you got ten videos to watch now. Yeah. I've got yeah, that.
3: that's something to do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so here you go. So this is going to be our last track. Last track. And yeah, thanks
0: to everyone who's been listening. Yeah. Um, and thank you to everybody
2: who's in this living room. Yep. In the South System room.
3: Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah. You're welcome. It's been good
0: to have you here. So, yeah. Timber. Quant, shaggy dog story.
2: Let's do it.